Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings AFC East Team Previews. If you don't give a shit about the Buffalo Bills and only care about the New York Jets, first, very sad life you have. But you can just use the time codes and skip right to the players you want to hear about. What we're doing in this series is going team by team and then position by position and just discussing each of the players providing a profile, where they're going in current fantasy football drafts and what the outlook is like for the season and how the roster may actually shake out in terms of market share of targets, market share of running back touches and receptions in the backfield. Are there potential sleepers on the back end of this roster that you might want to put at the very, very back end if you play in deep? leagues we're going to cover all of that for you if you missed the nfc east we've already done that hit the description find the link smash the like and we'll be good to go in fact you should do that right now smash the like button for the video and we're going to throw quarterbacks out of this discussion but of every non-quarterback in the afc east which player overall has the most fantasy points in 2021 i'm curious to see what your guys' response is to that also rate review and subscribe the pat mayo experience audio podcast content coming at you all the time joining me on the line to break this all down you can catch him at theathletic.com it is jake seeley at all one kid what's up are you gonna ban the first person that says like josh allen <laughs> i only ban people during the live <laughs> chats Oh, see, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was only during the live ones. No, because I'm, I'm forced I, I, to read the comments in the live chats. I don't have to read them after that. Okay. Oh, that's, that's also true. You said that many times before that you don't read the comments. And no one should read the comments. I like that people comment. I get someone to aggregate it for me and give me, like, the who wins at the poll. I, I just, it, it's a cesspool in there most of the time. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> Dude, most of the time, it is not a cesspool. But like 10% of people are just the absolute fucking worst people on the planet. I just don't need that negativity in my life, Jake. I just don't need it. That That's certainly fair. I've actually responded to a few of your followers in the comments oh, before. When they've been like, <laughs> No, when they've been like legitimate, like about the show or questions or stuff like that. I've, I've jumped in once. Nah, I'd say more like maybe even 10 times over the course of the two years. Three years? Well, I do. For golf season, I do the live chats on Wednesday. So if people want to get at me, that's when they can kind of get at me when it comes down to it. And then then Fridays, uh, yeah, if they ask stupid questions, I get banned for life. So you do it at your own risk. And then Fridays during football season, I also, uh, I do the Friday show with the injuries and the DraftKings ownership. And then I actually do open a question and answer period in the comment section for that. And that is when I will go into the comments and reply to people. Then I see all the negative stuff about myself. Then my wife will be like, why does this guy say this about you? It's like, I don't fucking know. It's some asshole on the internet. (laughs) Just like I said, don't need it in my life. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. That's where we're going to be starting right now. Jake, what do you think that the over-under is without looking at the screen? Ten and a half. Uh, it is not. It is eleven. As you you keep That's getting close. caught with the hook. Sometimes you use the hook and it's an even number. The other times you don't <laughs> use the hook and it's an even number. With the seventeen game schedule, do you think that the Bills just overall 
repeat the performance that they had from last year? I think I could see them easily doing it. Uh, you look at the rest of this division, you know, yes, you could say everybody's improved, but we've done this before. We just did it on the NFC show. Like every division, everybody's better. Like that's why people love to bet the over. But honestly, if you're looking at the bills and if you look at what that team is constructed, like, and say, where's their weakness? Good God. Where is their weakness? Tight end like that. That's really how good this team is. And they came out of the draft, just adding depth. Like, they're getting picks they are just like okay they're gonna be rotational pieces that on a lot of teams out of coming on this draft would have been like starters uh, that's just just a team that you look from top to bottom the biggest one is going to be i jokingly said his name before the biggest question here is can josh allen repeat of course nobody expected him to improve as much as he did last year but if he can just stay who he was last year then this team should be one of the best in the NFL, probably a top five team. So if you told me I have to put money on the table, I would take the over on 11, especially with 17 games. I think 12, 13 is really, I say 13 is realistic. 13, if they went 13 to four, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, let's start with Josh Allen, because I think that he is going to be the biggest question mark for a lot of people coming into this year, because his performance is going to completely affect every other player on the roster, Stefan Diggs, most notably. And maybe that was the cause of the leap. They went out and got a legitimate wide receiver one, someone who can create separation, run crisp routes and adjust to the ball when it's in the air, because although his passing accuracy went up he's still not the most accurate guy in the world but as we've talked about over the past two years the way that they've constructed this team with its receiving core that they went out and got receivers who create quick separation off the line of scrimmage and they can adjust the ball when it's in the air like Cole Beasley pretty good at catching the ball when it's like you know a foot behind him while he's still in stride Stefan Diggs very good at adjusting to the ball and adjusting his route to go get it and Josh Allen's like I'm gonna throw it up and give you a chance you go get it and he has the guys who can actually do this it was the biggest fatal flaw like year one when you know let's go out and sign Kelvin Benjamin like absolute scrubs like that (laughs) no like just because someone has a gigantic body and it was it's almost like remember when Jameis kept overthrowing everyone it's like well, Mike Evans mm-hmm. is going to solve that problem because he's so tall. Now, Mike Evans has been awesome when Jameis was the quarterback, but it's not like Jameis still wasn't overthrowing the super tall Mike Evans at times, too. Right. We talked, you and I, we talked about this last year. And I let me preface this with, I did not expect Josh Allen to be this good. So I'm putting that out there. But we, you and, you and I talked about, and I did expect quite an improvement for Josh Allen for what you just said. And the comparison I made to you last year and we talked about was the Carolina Panthers towards the end of Cam Newton's career there is that you just mentioned Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funch is like, it was like, what do we do with an inaccurate quarterback? Well, we give them giants to throw to. Well, the problem is the giants can't separate. The giants are slow. The giants don't run good routes. And instead of doing that, they pivoted away. They started to bring in more elusive talent. Of course, it was at the very end. It kind of overlapped with him leaving the team. But you saw that slight improvement, especially markedly improvement in the completion percentage. And that's really what it comes down to is Josh Allen. As you said, they traded for Stefan Diggs. Cole Beasley has been a rock solid, reliable receiver for him. And you get the guys who can get open. So when you are off target just a little bit or you're not throwing the best catchable pass because they're open and they're not already covered 
they can adjust to the ball because a Diggs and a Beasley and all these type of receivers can adjust to the ball. And when they don't have a defender on top of them and it's behind them a little bit, well, now you're not throwing it to the defender. You're still throwing it to the receiver because they came back to it. So that's what the Bills did. And again, I say all to say nobody expected Josh Allen to be as good as he was, but that's why. That's why when you have a Josh Allen and that's why you have some of these other guys, that's why we talked about on the NFC East show. I don't know that Kenny Galladay is going to make Daniel Jones better. I think Daniel Jones might be better with somebody like a Stefan Diggs if they could have found that. I guess the biggest question as it pertains to fantasy this year, Josh Allen is being drafted as number two quarterbacks off draft boards. Hmm. Early, early fourth round is where he's going right now. Only Mahomes is going ahead of him. Is there going to get a point with Josh Allen where they have to tell him you can't run this much, you're eventually going to get clocked, and we can't have you out of the game? Now, if they're down in games in the fourth quarter, he's going to be running. In important games, he's going to be running. I do worry that they eventually start scaling him back. Like in my early projections right now, I have him at a 25% rushing market share of this team. He has basically devalued the entire running back core for the Buffalo Bills. Like if it was just <laughs> one guy in the backfield, that would be fine to an extent. That, that still wouldn't be a first round pick running back or even a second round pick running back. But at least it would be a running back that you can play. But because of the rushing attempts, the rushing yards, and most importantly, the rushing touchdowns, Josh Allen sucks the value of all of the ground game and puts it on to himself. However, his entire fantasy value is wrapped up in that. So do you think that that takes a step back? I don't think it does unless he tweaks something. Like maybe, you know, he gets hit hard at the goal line and all of a sudden are like, uh, it's his non-throwing shoulder and it's a little bit banged up. Like, I, I don't think they're going to because I'm going to compare it. Let's go back to Cam Newton. He's not a Kyler Murray runner. He's not running for eight, 900 yards. He's running for four, maybe 500. Like last year, I think he barely got over 400 yards. It's the rushing touchdowns, and that's why I said it's Cam Newton all over again. It's four or 500 rushing yards, but seven, eight, nine rushing touchdowns. That's where his value comes in because he calls his own number. And whereas Cam Newton, we heard that for the longest time. When are the Panthers going to stop letting Cam Newton bang himself up and get hurt at the goal line and like go for all these runs? The problem is you can't stop the quarterback. He, the ball is in his hands. You know, yes, you can call plays, but if you have that where, Hey, Josh Allen, if you think you need to do this and that being whether it's a pass or a run or whatever it might be, and he sees the opportunity, there's not a lot of this is specifically a Josh Allen run that they ran. It just happens to be Josh Allen tucked it and ran. So, I don't think as much as even if they wanted to limit him to prevent their franchise quarterback from getting hurt, that he's going to stop. So I'm not that concerned because his value lies in the rushing touchdowns anyway. It's the six, seven, eight rushing touchdowns. So I'm not that concerned. What you said is the concern of all is it really just hurts the running back. So that it's like even if you get excited about Zach Moss maybe being a post-hype sleeper after his rookie season, still, what is Zach Moss going to run for? five six maybe touchdowns over the full season is josh allen the second best fantasy quarterback i still say third i i would still go mahomes and i would still go kyler murray just because of what we're talking about here if josh allen calls even keep, keeps calling his own number but if he only rushes for five touchdowns it's it's a big difference between those three rushes because kyler murray doesn't need the touchdowns as much as Josh Allen does because he's running for eight plus 800 plus rushing yards. So if you want to say Josh Allen, I'm not going to say you're crazy. 
I'd lean slightly Kyler Murray. Like I have him neck and neck, but Patrick Mahomes number one. But if you want to go Allen two, then Murray, I'm okay with it. If you want to go Murray two, then Allen three, I'm okay with it. I think those are the clear big three anyway. I think you could make a compelling case that Lamar is probably the number two fantasy running back or quarterback if you I, if you wanted to. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make that case, but I see the tea leaves that are there for it. I have like I've been talking about that for uh, I'm not the only one, but I've been saying that for the longest time. Like, stop Lamar Jackson falling in the sixth round is just dumb at this point. Like, we're the fantasy community is so reactionary and forgetting what happened two years ago and forgetting the fact that even with everything that possibly went wrong for how his play was last year, and he still finishes what QB six, seven? Where did he finish? I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, he was, QB a, he was seven. Yes, yeah, yeah. seven. If you include rushing along with passing, he was the most efficient quarterback per fantasy point on dropbacks last year. It's just they didn't run the same volume of plays. When you run so often as the Ravens do, you just inherently don't run as many plays during the course of a game. Plus, they were up in a lot of these games at the same time until they weren't at the very end. Um, but until they weren't. <laughs> uh, but the way that I look at it right now is everyone's us included really like Jalen Hurts and what he brings to the table. But the separation between those two guys in fantasy drafts right now is like a round and a half maybe two rounds like I would just take the known quantity in Lamar Jackson knowing that I'm drafting Jalen Hurts to be Lamar Jackson essentially is what I would want if I was drafting Jalen Hurts when I could just go up around and get Lamar Jackson anyway like I I, people do talk themselves into weird stuff I don't think that Allen regresses but I don't know if he reaches, reaches the same fantasy heights as he did a year ago yeah, and I'm 100% with you. And if you're going to talk about the fact that we get that discount, Lamar Jackson, uh, there's other quarterbacks you could talk about the discount and just where you have to take them because we talk about this every single year too, is that quarterbacks are easy to find of these guys who get close to the top five. Uh, you know, I, Justin Herbert feels like the easy one from last year, but Justin Herbert's not the first to do it. We did it the year before that. We've done it the year before that. We've done it the year before that. Every year there's at least one, if not two, potentially three, that are not just not drafted inside the top 12 for quarterbacks that finish inside the top 12 and even top 10. We're talking about undrafted quarterbacks that finish there every single year. So I only bring that up to say, like, I understand getting the elite quarterback. And of course, you know, if you're specific scoring out there weighs heavily to quarterback, there's a whole nother argument for it. But, you know, the, if you're going to give me Lamar Jackson two rounds later, even three rounds later in some drafts that I've seen, I'm taking that every single time. Uh, if you're going to tell me I can get Russell Wilson five rounds later, Yes, Russell Wilson isn't Josh Allen, but on a points-per-game basis, what's the difference? Two? I'll, I'll take the four-round savings. Yeah, the, the difference right now in drafts would be like the difference between Justin Jefferson and, I don't know, some not great wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to pull out that word I already forgot from yesterday. Well, not yesterday for everybody listening from the oh, other show. Oh, just, just some fucking Jamoke who sucks? Jamoke. There's the word. <laughs> Jamoke. Uh, running backs on this team. So it's not just the Zach Moss and Devin Singletary show anymore. No, no. Matt Breda is a part of this team now, too, who will just inherently get random 13 carry games because that's just what the Bills are going to do. So when I have the market share divvied up, uh, I do have Zach Moss in the lead at 32%, Singletary at 30%, Breda at 10%. But I have Josh Allen at 25% of the market share of rushing attempts, and Josh Allen is the most likely to score a touchdown of any of these guys. So are they even draftable? They are draftable for where Zach Moss is going. Like, That's where the where are That's they the one... going? I'll, I'll look up where they're going, but like, is he going like the 14th round? 
No, I think Zach Moss, my guess would be ninth, 10th, somewhere around there. You t- you tell me. But at that point, so you know this, I-, I preface this again to say this is coming from somebody who didn't like Zach Moss last year. So I, I put that out there so people understand and like, you know, I'm somebody who didn't like him, and now I do. So you're not getting somebody who was already a fan. I didn't like Zach Moss because I felt like he was overrated for the broken tackles and college, all that type of stuff. And people focus on one stat. Like stats matter. All stats matter. But you got to take the full picture of it. And also the ability matters. Zach Moss is a good running back. Where he was going in the excitement for last year was overrated, even before we even factor in Josh Allen. But because of the disappointment from everybody that was excited for him last year, and because of everything we talk about what Josh Allen does to this backfield, he's now becoming a price where it's almost just pure upside because but, but, Zach but, Moss— But here's the thing. There is no upside because Josh Allen no, is I, going to steal his that's upside. That's where I disagree. No, well, no, what, no. That, what, see, that's what, where I disagree. What is his upside? Let's say Devin Singletary gets hurt, blows his knee out— Last game of the preseason or the week before the season starts. And hey, Zach Moss is the starter. That makes him running back what for the season? 26? Okay, so I would say a little bit higher. But let's just say running back 26. What is he going at? Running back 40-something? Running back and, 40, He's going at running back 43. Two spots behind yeah. Tony Pollard, a spot behind Gus Edwards, a spot ahead of Philip Lindsay, and a spot of Jamal Williams. A spot ahead of Jamal Williams. I'd rather have all four of those guys. I, I Tony can Pollard? Cre- no. I can well, I mean, I would rather have Pollard. I, I never want to play Zach Moss ever on my team. But I can he, envision so a scenario where I do play Tony Pollard because if Zeke goes down, I would play Tony Pollard. Okay, but here's where I was gonna say where my initial disagreement comes down to is I don't think this backfield is split like it was last year. I think Zach Moss wasn't healthy for part of the season. Well, not think he wasn't healthy for part of the season. He got off to a rough start. He's a rookie who got off to a rough start. I think this backfield could be, forget Josh Allen for a second, and just talk about the two running backs and their split. I think we could see a lot more of a 60, 65 to 40 or 35% for Singletary this year where Singletary's had his chance. Singletary's proven the fact that in the NFL, he is a complimentary running back in the passing game. Zach Moss can be the lead power and a little bit in the receiving game. So, Yes, you take away an immediate 20% from Josh Allen, but of that remaining 80%, I think he gets 60-65% of that. It's not the best-case scenario for anybody. They, we, you don't want that for a lot of backfields to be like, oh, yeah, I want a running back that already has to start at 80%. But at the same time, when you're still talking about that, that still has RB3 value. And if Singletary ever gets hurt, I think you're looking at RB2. So. I can agree with you and say that Josh Allen is going to always hurt this backfield, but at the same time, I still think there is now value because I do think he's much better than RB, what do you say, 40, whatever. He's, I'd say he's more like RB high 30s before Singletary even gets hurt. There are even guys behind him on this list that I would rather draft just for the potential that could, they could be better. Because when we talk about upside, you say running back two, I said running back like 26. Yeah, a low-end running back two is like best case scenario. i just rather draft someone like... Alexander Madison is going number 47. Far cry from last year, but if Dalvin goes down, I'd rather have Madison. And it's not like I'm playing. Don't you, you don't think so? Like, I know that he kind of struggled in the game, the big game when everyone got on him. But if he was the featured back and he was the one getting 65% of the snaps in the Vikings backfield, I'd much rather have that than Zach Moss getting 65% of the snaps in the Bills backfield. And I think that's what we'll disagree a little bit also because I don't know that it's not in Guanu who they drafted, but... Uh, 
again, it really comes down to, I think you're kind of also making a little bit of a different thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you like kind of a little bit different argument than the one I'm making, because you're saying if Zeke goes down, if cook goes down, what I'm saying is that you no, draft Zach no, Moss. You know what? You can, if that's your argument, you're wrong. Cause Zach Moss is terrible. He's going to have like three good games. Cause he'll <laughs> score two one yard touchdowns to go along with his 30 fucking yards. No, and that's the problem is that everybody's reacting off the excitement of what he could have been and the, the disappointment of what he was as a rookie. He's better than this, and this is from somebody who doesn't like Zach Bills Moss's Bills running backs have year. no value. None. I disagree. Don't draft him. Disagree. That's the move. Disagree. Wide receivers on the Bills. Diggs, top five? Yeah. Cool. I, I could, actually, I could tell you where I had him in my rankings. Hit Let me. Scroll up. I'll tell you. I, I, I imagine. I think he's like three, honestly. He is Stefan Diggs. Oh, where? Wait, oh, I'm in Dynasty. Hold on a second. Stefan Diggs, number five. There you go. Number, number five. five. He he, number he's five. being drafted as wide receiver number three right now behind Devontae and Tyreek Hill right at the turn. Pick number 13 is his current average draft position. Seems like it's a bit high, but at the same time, when you go look at his numbers, it's like, oh, no, that actually makes perfect sense. Um, he, I don't know if he overachieved a little bit or if Allen regresses a little bit, Diggs probably comes along with him. Or maybe it's the other guys that tend to regress a little bit and Diggs remains as his status as the clear guy that you need to have in this offense. And this is a pretty pass-happy offense, to be perfectly honest with you. That's yeah. another reason not to love the running backs is they really like to throw. Uh, and they like to throw downfield a lot. Or if they're going to throw short, it's probably going to be to Cole Beasley. So who would be the second wide receiver on this team for you? Because for the past two years, ever since Allen has been there, John Brown has been a pretty effective receiver when he's been healthy. Brown's gone now, and they have my guy, the Colonel, Manny Sanders. And why doesn't he just fill the same role John Brown does? Uh, well, for two things, even if he does, the number two receiver is actually your boy and has been your boy, oh. is Cole Beasley. He's been the consistent number two rely on. You know, John Brown's been very up and down even when healthy. Um, it, Cole Beasley has been the consistent, especially because everybody plays in half and full point PPR these days. Well, everybody that's, you know, still not playing from the eighties, but it's, it's been Cole Beasley. So I think the number three could be Emmanuel Sanders, but honestly, the way that Sanders looked last year with the saints. And I know part of that was drew Brees at this point, it were right before he retired, obviously is that arm. But at the same time, Sanders looked struggling at times, getting up there in age, struggling to separate at times. I'd be surprised that Gabriel Davis is the number three. And I go back to what I'm saying here is Cole Beasley is the number two, in my opinion. So Beasley's the number two. Like I have Diggs at projected one of the highest target shares in the league at around 29%. He I had do... 168 targets last year. So yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he was above 29% last year. So that, that is a baked in bit of regression. That's like a median projection. I have Beasley second at 16. Gabe Davis actually above Emmanuel Sanders in like when oh, I yeah. simulated the season, that's how it would go. But I think intuitively, like there's a reason that they brought in Emmanuel Sanders uh, to give him some time. It feels like they don't want to fully go full throttle on Gabriel Davis. I know he was a rookie last year, but it seems like they have certain packages for him where they want to get him involved, just like they do with like Isaiah McKenzie, where you can almost bank on a Isaiah McKenzie reverse at least once a game, uh, but he's just randomly on the field in these weird four <laughs> wide receiver sets. And that's all he actually does, except for that one game where he caught three touchdowns. Well, they're also, I mean, you know, Sanders and Gabriel Davis are almost like completely opposite wide receivers too. No, I know, but uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying. There's different packages for both these guys. I would assume that it's Sanders who's on the field more. And then Gabe Davis would be on the field in like different sorts of scenarios and different sorts of formations. 
100 percent. yeah i don't disagree with you there but if you told me you have it that way so if you told me at the end of the season whereas on a week-to-week basis it could alternate i think come the end of the season gabriel davis could easily be in front of emmanuel sanders as the third most targeted biggest share and most productive so what does that make beasley then so obviously Diggs is like a must draft beasley is a draft is he a wide receiver three or, I mean, yeah. well, let's not talk about like ideally, like ideally on your team, he's like your fifth receiver and he's a guy that you can deploy off the bench. <laughs> what a great asset to have. But in reality, where you have to draft him, like, would you be comfortable with him as your wide receiver three and whatever the hell round he's going? I'll, I'll go find that out. <laughs> uh, if he's my wide receiver three and I went running back, I already have two solid, great running backs, potentially even a third. No problem with it. Uh, ideally, like you said, wide receiver five, you're not getting. That's just if you, oh, unless you want ah. wide receivers just out of, out of the gate, wide receivers are the first five rounds. Um, I, I guess four, five of the first six rounds, I could see him making it to the sixth round. Is that where his ADP is, sixth round? Seventh? Uh, no, it's not actually. He's going as wide receiver 45 in the 10th round. Oh, just forget about it. That's just, that's taking money. Yeah, just, he's actually going behind Jamison right Crowder and Antonio Brown. Just that's free money. Just go draft Cole Beasley and laugh at everybody else. La- draft him in the eighth round just to make sure you get him. That there's nobody else smart watching the show that t- tries to take him in the ninth. Take him the eighth because the eighth is still value. Because yes, he's gonna probably finish right in that wide receiver three range. And the only thing that keeps him in the wide receiver three range and not wide receiver two is just that he's not a touchdown guy. You know, four maybe five on a season. So, but eight easy mate probably 900 plus yards uh, i think he got close to a thousand last year the receptions to boot yeah he's a fine wide receiver three you're getting him as a wide receiver five and in on most teams he should be a wide receiver four and you're loving it and you well, can play him in your flex put it this way i'd rather have cole beasley in my flex as my fourth wide receiver than a lot of running backs that are out there this year as the flex running back yeah like zach moss <laughs> oh I, I will agree with that <laughs> of course Will tight ends on the Bills ever be a thing? Will Dawson Knox ever don't be a, care. Uh, I'll say a consistent thing because they did pick up Jacob Hollister. I still don't care. This is this is trying to grasp at an offense that looks like a lot of fun. And the truth is, is some offenses just don't utilize the tight end enough. Dawson Knox on another team where they feature the tight end in the passing game frequently. Sure. But Dawson Knox on this team, Jacob, Hollister, I don't care who it is. Just because this is similar to the Carolina Panthers of last year when everybody was super excited about Ian Thomas. It, the problem is, it's just they're not. It's the three wide receivers. This is Josh Allen, three wide receivers, potentially a fourth, some running back usage. It's just the, the tight end's an afterthought in this offense. Yeah, they even go five wide, no backfield sometimes. Like they, they use that well, offense. I think they were the most. Last yeah, they, year. they use that offense far more than I, I, I did want to say every other team, but like their top three in five wide receiver sets and Dawson Knox ain't on the field then. I am curious about Hollister though. I just think <laughs> that he's maybe it was just Russell Wilson propping him up in the way that they use tight ends in that offense, but it, it does seem strange to me, especially with the get draft capital that they spent on Dawson Knox that he isn't a bigger part of this offense. Maybe he just wasn't able to pick up the playbook or isn't as good as they thought that he was. It was a misevaluation. They go out and they get Hollister. Maybe he becomes a thing every third game. <laughs> and, and you really care if you, if it is even every third game, do you even care? No, fantasy, probably not. Do, do, you, do you have any opinions yeah, yeah. on no class Tyler Bass? No, 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 no I, just, I told you, I don't care about anybody here. No, so no kicker questions? No. All right. New England Patriots. We do have a win total for New England. Actually, to win the division this year, New England is 
Let's see. They are plus 350. The Bills are minus 150. So they're one of the heaviest favorites to win their own division in football. The win total for the Patriots right now is nine. This feels a lot like, yeah, it feels a lot like last year where people don't know if the Patriots are going to be good or bad. Here's the reason with nine, though. How many games do you think the Patriots won last year? Uh, did they go seven and nine last year? They did. They it didn't it seem like they were a one in fifteen team with the way that the perception <laughs> was about them. But they actually won seven games. Well, so that's the so I said what for two reasons. This is one was I was surprised it was that high looking at this roster, but two because what you just mentioned the perception. I feel like a lot of people felt like it was you know I know you're making tongue in cheek with one and fifteen, but like I think a lot of people assumed they were four and twelve or five and eleven. So with that perception, I would have thought like the betting, if not, even if it started at nine, I felt like there would have been so much hammering the under that this number would have dropped. Uh, I mean, let's see what the VIG is right now on it. But you have to remember that the Patriots are a very public team. So Still. people like like the Cowboys, like the Steelers, like the Packers, like the Raiders. People but is like, anybody outside of like freaking Massachusetts betting on the over? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just pay, where the Patriots have been good for 20 years, like your very casual uh, will just bet overs on New England, or they might like like football, but they, you know, they're big Patriots fans for the past 10 years. I was going to say, like, I like the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I have a few people in my life who are like that, and they bet the Patriots every single week. And, like, they just they randomly became football fans 10 years ago. The Patriots are good. That's their team. I, mean, I, I don't mean to besmirch them, but that is – the sort of number that you hang on a team like this. And it's the book trying to protect itself that, you know, if Mac Jones is good or Cam's deficiencies last back. year coming back was, you know, purely COVID related and shoulder related, that maybe he's actually just healthy and Cam Newton's fine. I again. think he left one of them now too. What's I think that? It's three things. I think it was COVID. Um, and a lot of people talked about that, about missing time, but you have COVID the shoulder and you have, COVID missing time, learning a new playbook on a new team, which is one of the most complicated playbooks while missing time on top of it. Like, I think all three of those are factors. If Cam Newton bounced back to, and I'm not talking about passing for the 30 touchdowns. I'm not talking about the MVP like season. I'm just saying if Cam Newton bounced back to throwing for 3,200 yards and 22 touchdowns or something like, I wouldn't be shocked. I think that's a real thing of going to a new team, but also going to a new team and missing time. The win total right now at nine is juiced to the over. So people are betting the over. It's minus 135, meaning you would have to bet $135 to win 100, betting the over nine on New England Patriots. For right now, the under is plus 110. So you'd have to bet 100 to win 110 on the under. So the money's coming in heavier on the over than it is on the under this early in the season. Who do you think starts a quarterback for this team? Cam Newton. Who I do, do you think, think it's Cam Newton. Who do you think plays the most snaps under center for this team all year long cam newton okay so let's let's work on the premise cam starts week one because uh, this will have an effect on everyone else do they go back to that very run heavy offense that we saw at times last year when it seemed like cam newton's favorite receiver was the ground <laughs> sorry i wasn't expecting that that was good um uh, like I do think they'll be run heavy uh, for two reasons. Um, one is just the, the offensive style, but yes, they signed two tight ends and John Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, they brought in Nelson Aguilar, but outside of that, I mean, well, oh, they brought in Kendrick Bourne too, but this collection of wide receivers just makes you like, hold your nose. You're talking about Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry's never done anything. Uh, you have Gunnar Hosers or whatever his last name is, but, 
it's not just the two tight ends. It's they drafted Ramondre Stevenson, who is essentially like if everybody wants the the easy comp of who he is, who was on this team a few years ago, he's like Garrett Blunt. That tells me they still want to keep running the ball because if Sony Michelle's knee is toast, they brought in somebody who could just pound the ball with Damian Harris. Still have James White. Like uh, who else am I forgetting that's still on this team? Brandon Bolden is still on this team they still clearly look like a team that wants to, if not be run heavy, at least run balance. So I think it'll be a very similar, maybe a little bit more passing just because you can't be as few passing as they were last year, but I think it's still going to be a run first team. And that's what we've seen for the Patriots for some time for a while now, even towards the end of Tom Brady's career, they were pretty run heavy compared to most teams in the NFL. So if Cam Newton starts all 16 games, let's just play that scenario out. Who on this team is fantasy viable that you would actually like feel good about starting on a fantasy roster? I'd probably feel good about Henry. That's just, I was going to actually say Johnu because Henry better blocker. So you're going to get potentially that situation where go back to the days of, or go back to OJ Howard and Cameron Bray in Tampa Bay, where we were frustrated forever on OJ Howard, but they kept him in as a blocker because he was the better blocker than Bray. So I lean Janu. I would take Janu before I took Henry. I th- actually think Henry can be fantasy relevant as well because this team looks like that might be their top two options. I don't believe a ton in Nelson Aguilar unless here's my issue. Look at Jacoby Myers and look at what he did last year and where he probably fits best is as their slot receiver. If you ask Aguilar to start playing outside again, the reason he has success is because he was able to let rugs get sacrificed to the number one corners playing outside and was able to play inside and letting Darren Waller open things up for him too. I don't know that Aguilar, kind of similar to my concerns, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, is Corey Davis. Is like If he's asked to be the number one outside, I think Aguilar is going to bomb with the Patriots. So... I would say whoever, put it this way, whoever spends the majority of the time in the slot. Can I answer with that between Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar? It'll probably be Jacoby Myers and unless they just start him at quarterback yeah. instead. But it's funny, tr- <laughs> trying to do what the target market shares for this team is nearly impossible. So here's what I have. <laughs> I have Aguilar and Myers a- actually at the top at 15% apiece, then Henry at 13% along with James White at 13%, and then Jonu at 12%, along with Kendrick Bourne at 12%, and Nikhil Harry at 6%. <laughs> now, the the one thing about this is we just talked about all the limitations and potential excuses that we just gave Cam. Now, he might be cooked. That's very much on the table. But if he's not cooked yes. and he like kind of is good, feels like a bunch of these guys could be super undervalued. I just don't know who. Yeah, and that's the bigger thing, too. And... Let's go back to your first question. Let's say I'm wrong. Let's say Cam Newton's not the quarterback because he is cooked. Let's say we find that out in the offseason because right now the reports are, I don't know why I'm pointing at my TV, uh, (laughs) is that it's an open competition, especially at the NBA game. I don't know why I'm pointing at the TV. Uh, But let's say it's an open competition and Cam looks cooked, looks like it wasn't just the shoulder or maybe that's the shoulder and that's why he's cooked and it wasn't just the time off from COVID and he's just done. And Mac Jones clearly is the better option. They start for week one. I think Mac Jones can be a boost because we already know Cam Newton's limitations as a passer, even when he is healthy. So Mac Jones, what he has going for him, as we heard the entire draft process, and it's true, is remarkably accurate. Like that's one of his best skill sets. And it's also, you could argue like why his ceiling is lower than a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft class is because 
who does he profile as in the NFL is kind of like a, you know, an Andy Dalton in his prime with the Bengals, you know, maybe, and I'm saying for fantasy purposes is maybe in fantasy, he finishes as a QB one once, twice, maybe a third time, but his biggest skill set is going to be out there and making the receivers better. So where your target market share probably wouldn't change much. You could see all the numbers boosted a little bit because maybe he throws for 3,800 yards and 24, 25 touchdowns. It would lead me to believe that the highest scoring fantasy producers on this team would be the tight ends. It might even be one and two from the receiving core. Yeah. But let's talk about the let's just talk about the running backs for a second. I don't want to have the dual conversation each time unless I mean, at this point, we don't know who's going to be starting for the Patriots. So eventually, maybe that will clear up for us and we'll have a better idea. But most people will probably blindly be drafting these guys with probably some sort of expectation that Cam is probably going to start a few games. And then Mac Jones is probably going to be given a chance at some point, even if Cam plays well. I could almost see it like a little bit like the Tua situation last year where they just kind of shoehorn Mac Jones in to see if he's any good and see what they got because you need to know that. Uh, you don't want to waste a year. It just and I, I hate the argument that like, oh, well, yeah, Patrick Mahomes sat out. Like they point to the biggest outliers <laughs> ever. Like Aaron Rodgers sat out. It's like, yeah, you picked two quarterbacks from the past 15 years who sat there for a season. <laughs> Generally, if well, that's guy... why I hate the Josh Allen thing. I hate everybody saying he's the next Josh Allen. Josh Allen's one of 50. He's the anomaly. Like, oh, I'm so with you. I, 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 I'm with you just as the entirety of this whole thing is like always picking out the anomalous players and saying like, oh, well, this is why. Like, yeah. well, how about we include everybody? Yeah, but before Josh Allen was the next Josh Allen, Drew Locke was the next Josh Allen. So be, be careful <laughs> who you're making these comparisons to. <laughs> oh, my God, Drew Locke. Oh. Yeah, There's well, another one. I, I hate it. Yeah, well, maybe he'll be replaced by the time we get around to doing the AFC West. Who knows? Uh, so running back-wise, <laughs> Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, your boy Stevenson, and then there's just James White. It feels like James White would actually have value with Mac Jones because Cam doesn't really throw to the running backs all that much. With, with McCaffrey, actually, he throws more than people think. To, he Perception. Threw, he threw to McCaffrey a lot, but you're, right. the, re the reason that you have McCaffrey is to throw to McCaffrey. I get that's the same situation with James White, but James White's not on the field 100% of the time. No, no, no. But I, I think that the percent of throws going to a running back where, you know, of course, Cam Newton versus most quarterbacks and Christian McCaffrey for touch wise being on the field and James White's not on the field as much. But I was just saying perception wise, I wanted to throw that out there for everybody that Cam Newton is not what people like. Put it this way. Cam Newton throws to the running backs more than Jared Goff does. Jared, I, I told you that the other day. Jared Goff bottomed dead last the past two years throwing to running backs. So it's not which, as bad as people think. Which is make it really strange because it does feel like his range is like three yards. So you think he would throw to the running backs <laughs> Jared all the time. Yeah. Or camps. Yeah, both. Both of them, honestly. <laughs> See, you know who else was like that? Mark Rippon. For everybody that remembered Mark Rippon, I was like seven years old, maybe six years old. But all I remember is Mark Rippon, like one yard falling in front of people. So, uh, you know what? I, I, where are we going with James White? Are we just going with the fact of like, forget everybody else and draft James White? Because I don't feel like it's that year. I feel like it's go ahead and do that. But Damian Harris is going at such a discount right now that if he's the guy, it, it's fine. Mostly because I wouldn't be surprised if Sony Michelle is a non-factor because similar to Todd Gurley, his knees are just falling apart. Kudos to Emery Hunt who called this at a college. You know our boy Emery Hunt. He told me this is somebody who like, if the scout of the scout of the scouts is Emory Hunt, because I watched a lot of Sony Michelle, and he goes, This is my concern for Sony Michelle. He goes, Go back and watch because you obviously missed it. 
watch how hard he drives his legs into the ground every step he takes. And I did, and he was right. He called the knee issues for him, and it's not going to go away. If Sony Michelle is not even a factor, and it's just Damian Harris, James White, and Ramondre Stevenson, Stevenson is probably not even going to be a huge factor as a rookie, which just goes back to what my entire point here is. Harris is worth drafting where he's going right now, and of course, your boy, James White, is worth drafting where he's going. Yeah, James White's going in basically the last round now. And I, I do feel like... I do feel like Mac Jones under center would help James White. I think so as well. Yeah, of course. Mac Jones is going to help anybody in the passing game compared to Cam Newton. Even if even if Cam Newton bounces back and you said Mac Jones was that quarterback instead, it's still going to be better because Mac Jones is a better passing quarterback. Well, and a lot of these running backs might suffer the Josh Allen effect, just like you know, you're going to suffer the Cam Newton effect that if Cam's under center, he's yeah. going to score rushing touchdowns and take those away from the How running backs. How did he run for last year? I felt like he had five. He, he had, I, I think he had more rushing was, touchdowns than go passing higher. touchdowns. I know that was a thing for the longest time. Did he finish with that being the case I, for the I, entire I year? I can't quite Cam remember, Newton. but I do remember Yeah, that you were said. way under. I was going to say 10 rushing touchdowns. He, he ran for 12. He ran for 12 touchdowns and only threw for eight. Yeah, so that's not great if you're Damian Harris. No, it's not. It's not good if you're Stevenson either, even if you are the belt, even if you are the Garrett Blunt, where all you're doing is asked to run for one yard and a touchdown. So wide receivers on this team, it does feel like, I think you're right, kind of track it to see who ends up playing the slot on this team. But I just feel like Jacoby Myers is good. I, th- I think that he is a good player. That's a, that's my professional assessment on Jacoby Myers. And he, and not only is he a good player, I think he gets on the field a lot because he is the perfect Patriots player. Yeah. So he, I looked this up while we were doing this. He actually spent 51% of his snaps in the slot, 48% out wide, moved around and get it, find him open while on the field. Targeted 24.3% of the time, more than anybody, including when Edelman was active. So I'm with you. He's not he's not a name because he wasn't a name even coming out of college that people expected much from. And you have some of those guys there, that perception carries over. I, I think that arguably right now, and I think it's an easy argument to make, he is the best receiver on this team, even with the addition of Aguilar off his quote-unquote breakout season. And Nikhil Harry had the pedigree coming out of college. I thought Nikhil Harry would be better than he was. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Jacoby Myers, if Jacoby Myers finishes a top 30 wide receiver, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't bet on it, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, so the, like I said, the median projection gives him a 15% target market share. But if that was like 22%, I wouldn't be super stunned because I think that he runs the easiest routes for completions for both of these quarterbacks. If you're looking at the path of least resistance, that's probably the way you want to go, that he can kind of pile up sort of like a Cole Beasley with upside type of year. Obviously, the quarterback play is not going to be as good as Josh Allen and Buffalo, but that style of route, I think you're going to see with Jacoby Myers. Plus, he can get downfield after the catch. Like That's the problem with Aguilar on this team. Like Aguilar is going to have a bunch of really big plays. He even had those in Philadelphia. It's just you never know when they're going to come, and that's the most frustrating type of fantasy player. And, yeah, that, I think that's really what we're coming down to here is it feels like it's uh... – draft the tight ends maybe question mark um i see but this is the thing is like the tight ends i don't even i wouldn't put either one of them in the tight end one group i could but see one of them finishing there but. I, I could see i could see both of them finishing as a tight end one and people you would never want to play each week like one week john will have three yes. touchdowns yeah, and, that, and he'll score yeah. so many points in that <laughs> one game he'll end up like as tight end nine for the season or something 
like the Kyle Rudolph from what was it two or three years ago where he had that two or three game run at the end of the season jumped all the way to tight end eight after being t- tight end 24 running into that week or whatever it was you remember that no oh, okay well, yeah, it I happened. It was like two, it was like <laughs> it was like two or three years ago. Kyle Rudolph was like tight end twenty something, heading into the final three games, and went off for two or three games in a row right at the end and finished tight end eight. <laughs> I, I will say, based on early drafting trends, Janu is the better pick. He's going as tight end number fourteen, about three rounds after Hunter Henry. So I I can't distinguish between either of them. It's basically a coin flip. So just like we do with the Patriots all the time, Jake, whether it's at running back or receiver, now it applies to tight end. Just take the guy who's cheaper. Just Yeah, that's always good for this entire team. So there you go. I wouldn't be, is is Jacoby Myers even the first wide receiver for the Patriots off the board? I wouldn't be surprised if he's not. uh, I didn't look that up. I don't even know where he's going. Jacoby. I spelled Jacoby wrong. I would almost bet he's going behind Nelson Aguilar would be my guess. Uh, because of perception and what happened last year. Am I spelling his name wrong, or is he just like legit not being drafted? M-E-Y? Yeah, M-E-Y. Yeah, he's not yeah. currently in the top 87 <laughs> receivers being drafted. Where's my, Where's Nelson Aguilar? Nelson Aguilar is 75th. There you go. And is Nikhil Harry being drafted inside that, That's the what I was going to go look. No, Nikhil Harry is not being drafted. <laughs> What about uh, what about Kendrick Bourne? I'm assuming that, that there's no way Kendrick Bourne is, right? Uh, Kendrick Bourne is not either. So, like I said, there's value on all of these Patriots if you can pick right. And even if you pick right, it still might not even be that good. <laughs> That's the biggest issue is it still might not be any good. You know where it's going to be good, Bat? Best ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to draft them all in best ball. and have the Patriots stack. It'll be so sick. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins. Two a time. With the Miami Dolphins, their over-under is also nine wins. They're plus 130. Wait, wait, what happened to you let me guess? Because uh, Paul kept putting them up on the screen, so now you can see them. Oh, I don't have your screen up. I have the I have the table that I pulled up for so we could pull up some of these numbers we were talking about. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. No, just when Paul put the graphics no, on the okay. screen, I just assumed you were looking at them. Oh, no, no, no. My guess would have been nine and a half, by the way. I would have overshot this one by the the... The, the half number again i'm always gonna put the half on it just because it makes more sense to me this, this one yeah well it should be that way because there would be nothing i mean I, there, I mean losing your money would probably be more frustrating but making a bet in june on a win total that you can't actually cash in either way until january and have it push that would be like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that would be just so, so frustrating <laughs> to see that happen just, by the way even at nine and a half this I'm going over on this one. The, the I, Dolphins. This is a sneaky hmm. one. Is this just a reaction to people think that Tua sucks? I think it is. And, you know, I wrote Tua up. He's part of my top five breakout quarterbacks for this year. And funny enough, I actually just talked about Tua earlier today with uh, Marcus Grant. And I, I don't get the Tua hate. It's, well, it's I mean, so you, there well, was... okay, when you say you don't get the Tua hate, you should understand where the Tua hate comes from. You, you watch okay. him, right? Yes. Okay. Well, no, no, no. Here's why I don't understand. It's because you know what we did for, and I say we, but like the NFL slash fantasy community. How many years in a row were people making apologies for Sam Darnold? How many years in a row have people been making apologies for Daniel Jones? How many years in a row they were making apologies for Baker Mayfield? Like this kid has played half of an NFL season. This kid came in at a college throwing 87 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Let's not forget that. The highlight play that everybody seemingly has forgotten is the new wide receiver that's back with his old teammate, Jalen Waddell, that big bomb where okay, Tua can't throw a deep ball. 
and all this perception about Tua, that that's where I'm saying, like, I never understood the hate of Tua from day one. Is he a great prospect? No. Does he have a lot of promise? Yes. Is there a lot of concern off of last year? Yes. That, and that's where I will agree. There was some really terrible play. There were some really terrible throws. But let's also understand something about Tua. And I'll, you said you hate when people do the Patrick Mahomes, but this is a legitimate comparison. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson's rookie season. Lamar Jackson being thrust into an offense that was not designed for him. The Miami Dolphins last year not only were in the midst of trying to change an offense, they straddled the fence. They tried to change the offense while still kind of keeping parts of it for Fitzpatrick because they put him back at quarterback and they didn't want to lose it completely. And this hybridy West Coasty type of what the hell are they doing top offense is part of the reason that Preston Williams fell off completely because Preston Williams doesn't fit the new offense even before he got hurt. But they also, like I said, they kept, they tried to put one foot in both pools instead of just committing to Tua and committing to a new offense. They tried to do both. And that hurt Tua too. Like, I'm not saying he's not without fault. But Tua was in a bad situation with Devontae Parker taking a step back and being hurt, Preston Williams missing and not fitting that offense, and then being yanked out for Patrick. Tua, I think, has still fantasy potential of being a top 12 to 15 quarterback because he's not going to run for five, six, seven hundred yards. But similar to like Aaron Rodgers, where he can run for two or three hundred, but find the end zone four or five times. You have that little bit of an upside that, with that, him. It's, Plus, funny, it's, it's, it's so funny that you said two or three hundred yards or four or five times. My projections have him at 295 rushing yards and four and a half rushing touchdowns. There you go. It's like I do this for a living. Uh, the thing is, is like to us, now also you have an offense designed with him. Devontae Parker now has Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller alongside of him. Well, once Will Fuller's the final game suspension is over. But you have a trio of wide receivers where if you say we expect Waddell of what he can be, this trio of wide receivers is now arguably top 10. Uh, and you still have Gasicki, and now you have an offense designed for Tua. And I just think that I'm going to have a lot of Tua this year is what I'm getting at. I probably will as well. I actually bet him to be MVP at 80 to one because the expectations for him are so low. He doesn't need to be close to the best player in football to win MVP <laughs> because, well, you said Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. Daniel before. Jones and Baker Mayfield and all of them. I mean, at least Baker has been good. Like, he won Rookie of the Year. He had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. That actually does make some sense. With Darnold yeah, Jones, the only the reason... Sure, and then he got better the year after. So it, it made more sense. With Jones and Darnold, the only reason that they get apologized for is because they're in New York, and most of the content that comes out is New York-based. All right, then, uh, who else can we make excuses? Like, we're, everybody's making excuses for Jared Goff. Are they? I've not heard anyone make an excuse for Jared Goff. All I've ever really heard about Jared Goff is he got super lucky one year, and he actually sucks. No, that's uh, here's another one. Uh, this is going to be a, a love on Emory Hunt fest. Here we go. But the the Jared Goff thing is he's he's the one that pointed this out to me as well too. Is exactly the week that it happened. Is if you watch that end of the season where he was bowling out, and then it was the last five or six games somewhere around there. Uh, it was actually very close to their bye, I think. But whatever it might be. Is he said the defense has figured him out, and here's how you figured it out: is because it's Sean McVay controlling puppet master Jared Goff. Is that defenses started disguising their formations until the headset clicked off, and because they realized Jared Goff can't read a defense, and that's actually it, from that day forward, including the playoffs that year and every day since, Jared Goff has been a completely different quarterback. At wide receiver, who do you think is going the tops of these guys? 
Mm, my guess would be Will Fuller. It is Will Fuller. He's going as the 36th receiver. Parker is going at 48, and Waddle is going at 49. The problem is, even when I run the projections, they all kind of rate out very similarly. Uh, so if Tua does just take a step up, and he's just a very competent quarterback, not a great quarterback, mm-hmm. but just a very competent one, and if he just go plays to his profile, maybe not the huge touchdown-to-interception ratio, but a guy that just doesn't turn the ball over all that much. Like, this team's going to go over that nine-win total really quick. The issue is with the, let's, let's go to the running backs then. Like, Tua could potentially be a top-ten quarterback, right? Potentially. Mm, I'd say, yeah, low end, just because the rushing, like I said, the rushing is going to be more of those touchdowns, four or five touchdowns, because he's not going to be a five, six, seven hundred yard. Like, I mean, Daniel Jones is going to run more than he does. Yeah. Like, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Tua? <sighs> I want both of them where they're going. Well, you can but, only have one. Uh, I'd actually probably go Daniel Jones for pure ceiling because these are backup guys. Like, I'm not drafting them as my starting quarterback. For pure ceiling, because Daniel Jones will run for 600 yards and the same amount of touchdowns. And if both of them succeed as we expect them the potential to be we don't expect them to deficit but if both succeed as a passer daniel jones is going to edge him i can see them having similar passing numbers but daniel jones is going to ed- edge him out and rushing so i could see daniel jones more likely for the top 10 to a more likely for the top 15 running backs on this team this gets tricky salvan ahmed's like not bad uh the gas can miles gaskin also not bad but is this just i don't want to say it's a pure committee because we didn't really see that last year once a guy became a guy he was the guy in the backfield for this team he was getting like mm-hmm. a 65 percent snap share and he was getting the work on the ground the other guys would get mixed in you'd get a, a dash of patrick laird uh our our laird in savior uh you know he's such a hero to us in the fantasy community but i'm guessing that it's gaskin's job but like i wouldn't yes. take gaskin in the fifth round Mm, I, I kind of well now this is going to be the opposite direction this is coming from somebody who is a Gaskin fan so and the fact that I was hoping Gaskin get, would get an opportunity eventually for some team and you know, I was excited to see him do well last year so if you want to say I'm coming with rose-colored glasses on Gaskin you could argue that but what I see in Gaskin is that also he has three down true potential because I think he's a very good pass catcher where I think Ahmed is mediocre at best um, even if you want to say that Gaskin's a good pass catcher, he's still definitively better than Ahmed. So I say that Gaskin is the guy unless he gets hurt or something goes wrong where he just bombs the first three weeks. Now, I, I don't think he's got a long leash because Ahmed did look good. And I think that if they wanted to pull the plug and Gaskin ends up, hey, hey he only looked good in 2020. We can't we don't see it again. Uh, the other thing, too, is they brought in Malcolm Brown, who has shown, you know, he can be serviceable, serviceable when he is the guy, when he, the brief times that he was with the Rams, um, replacing Todd Gurley and other guys out there. So uh, I could see where Gaskin loses the job. But if you tell me the fifth round, I think if Gaskin was the starter for 16 games, you're talking about somebody who's going to finish inside the top 20 at running back. So I'm willing to take him there. Yeah, he's going as running back number 24 right now. So I think it's certainly fair. I could see him easily surpass. Well, not easily, but I could see him finishing seven eight spots higher than that the guys that he's going around though are like james robinson kareem hunt chris carson melvin gordon like those type of guys mm. and it's just i, I would I, take I, carson and i would take hunt I, I guess the thing is like fourth fifth sixth round running backs there's gonna be a bunch taken in there and realistically like only two of them are actually gonna be any good that's really where running backs go to die <laughs> year after year 
well, let's go back to your other show and you can promote your other show when we talk about this. This is why you go running backs early because in the fifth round, this is when instead you take Adam Kenny Galladay or, or Adam Thielen or Cooper Cup or, you know, if you believe in Odell Beckham potentially doing anything for the first time in four years or Cortland Sutton off an injury, like those type of guys. So you could get a wide receiver too in the fifth round instead of what you just said, at best hoping that you get a 50-50 shot at a running back. Actually, I was wrong on Will Fuller, by the way. So we'll talk about receivers. He's going as wide receiver number 28. Why is everyone so enamored with Will Fuller on this team? I, like I said, is he really going as 28? Yeah. I, I mean, every site. I have him as wide receiver 28. <laughs> every, every site is going to be different. I just, that seems so much higher than the other guys. Like Devontae Parker, 41. I'm just looking at a different site in the different 80. Well, because do you know where he finished last year in 11 games, right? Well, wide that, receiver 23. Yeah, but isn't this like everything else? Isn't that like every what other is, year? What? And he didn't what, even, that he finishes. No, that he didn't even get hurt last year and still didn't play a full complement of games. Yeah, it's because he got suspended. Yeah, I know. But like <laughs> he, he was, a, he was, he was making sure he didn't got, they'd get hurt with the drugs. I, I just, I don't know on this team. Like, it's one thing when Deshaun Watson is throwing you the ball. It's the other thing when Tua is throwing you the ball. Like, is he a good fit with Tua versus the other guys? I guess is my question. I'm going to go back to what I said about Tua. I think he has a better deep ball than people realize. Sure, I, but I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah but, I mean, that, Watson. that would literally mean he can throw the ball 40 yards based on that assumption. <laughs> people don't think he can do that. Okay, well, yeah, so that's that's certainly fair. You know, Hells, I'll give you a good comparison. Everybody kept crapping all over the fact that. Uh, Henry Ruggs couldn't do anything with Derek Carr because Derek Carr is a terrible deep ball thrower. If you actually look at pull up metrics, go people go dig up Derek Carr. Derek Carr's middle of the road. He's not great. He's middle of the road, which isn't terrible. He's middle of the road. That's all Tua needs to be for Will Fuller to be a top 30 wide receiver. And that's really what it comes down to. Will Fuller's top 30, but it's the it's the argument you and I have against everybody drafting Will Fuller higher than that every single year is what we say is sure, Will Fuller at the end of the year finishes wide receiver 24 27 22 whatever it might be but it's okay this week he's wide receiver seven next week he's wide receiver 40 next week he's wide receiver 40 then he's wide receiver seven then he's wide receiver 40 like it's just you have to enjoy that up and down so if he's your wide receiver three cool if he's your wide receiver two not gonna do it like i have fuller projected to have the most fantasy points of any of the wide receivers on this team but the gap between waddle or part sorry parker who i have projected for the fewest amount of points the gap between them is 20 points so all three of those guys are around <laughs> 165 to 185 so that could really I swing just... <laughs> in either direction and i think the key thing to look at here as well is houston has been terrible even the even the years that they made the playoffs they weren't good especially their defense they had to throw so often even though this is going to be an out to a offense i think it's going to be more run heavy more conservative and this defense is pretty good that i don't know if they're just going to to have the volume of passing attempts that would you would probably need to like to, to just to argue to where Wolf Fuller is currently going in drafts that it's almost like we talked about the Patriots situation just take Waddle he's the cheapest I would agree with it this just take Waddle is the cheapest the one thing I will say is Houston doesn't pass as much as people think they do maybe even you think they do they threw 500 
forty and five hundred thirty the last two years. Sure, I, I just happened to look that up because there's see they which is fewer than Miami did. They don't throw as much as people think they do. That's that's a very fair point, but I think it's some it's somewhat contextual, just like the Derek Carr stuff in terms of the deep ball. Efficiency wise, Derek Carr is great at throwing the deep ball. The problem is he just doesn't throw a lot of deep balls. Uh, when he takes his shot, it's generally to guys who are wide open, thus making his numbers better. Mm-hmm. When you look at his average depth of target on throws, it's you know closer to the line of scrimmage than it is way downfield. All right, let's look at yards per attempt. I just happened to pull that up earlier because I was looking at somebody. Uh, to your argument point, here you go. Number two last year in yards per attempt, air yards, air yards per attempt, 8.9 for Watson. Tua is 7.5, 25th. Okay. So, so there you go. Uh, th- but that wasn't even going to be my argument. That was just my d- anti-Derek Carr kind of case. My case for Watson is and the receivers on Houston is that their offense and their target share of wide receiver is generally concentrated on two people, almost always. When Hopkins was there, when Cooks was there, along with Will Fuller, there's one and there's one A in terms of who is receiving targets on that team. I just don't know if I'm comfortable making that prediction on Miami. I don't know where the targets are going. It could be completely spread out. It's not like Steven Anderson and whoever, who are the other (laughs) just losers? Daniel Fells and those guys <laughs> griffin like just over the years there's like random texans the other ryan end. griffin the yeah, non-quarterback the, ryan griffin yeah the other ryan griffin i think he's on the is he on the jets now I, uh but it's just, he, it just he was, he was if, if you were tampa bay if you were one or two on that team you saw a huge amount of targets then you had your randall cobb types who would come in your kiki cuties who would come in then they would just kind of disappear at least in this offense, like you might see a, lot, a few checkdowns to the running backs. So depending on who that might be, Gasecki's not going away. I don't think that he'll receive right. enough attention to be like a really good fantasy player, but he'll receive enough attention where he gets stats every week. He'll be like three for forty-seven on seven targets or something like that. Just he'll he'll command enough of the target market share that it's kind of more spread out here. So I think that Will Fuller, if he's commanding. 20 to 25 percent of a team's throws even if that team doesn't throw a lot that's great news for him because his a dot tends to be super high and when it's not super high they're generally bubble screens which are super high efficiency fantasy points to score that's one catch for seven yards but it's a high percentage play that i just don't know on this team he can get lost in the shuffle a little bit easier than he did in houston that would be my case against drafting him I, I, as a top 30 receiver. Now, if you want to make Will Fuller wide receiver number like 41 coming off the board, like four rounds later, then yeah, I'm kind of into it. But Waddle's going even deeper than that. And why can't he just be a more efficient Will Fuller? And I don't disagree with anything you said, honestly. And I think that you could see all three of these wide receivers be slightly lesser versions of the Panthers 2020 wide receivers because Gesicki's a factor unlike Ian Thomas wasn't a factor the tight end just wasn't really a factor for the Panthers in general so I say all three of them instead of finishing all three in the 20 to 25 range at wide receiver actually were they all I think they're right in the no 17 was more and then Samuel was 25 where's Robbie Anderson Robbie Anderson I know was right in that same range as them because all three of them finished inside the top 25 right yeah, Robbie, Last year? Robbie Anderson finished. Well, Robbie Anderson. Had like oh, 28. Two, yeah, Robbie, Robbie Anderson, I think, finished top 15 in overall yards, but had two touchdowns. Three. Three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. So there was there were 17. Yeah, that's 17, 25, and 28. So I could see these three from Miami finishing like 25, 32, and 36. So like in, just in, kind in, of in, down. Unless one of them establishes themselves as the guy in this offense then they right. get the big boost up and the other two just kind of drop off. And they have... Which, they, if we're talking about here, you just mentioned the one that's going the cheapest right now of the three has the best 
upside breakout potential because you're talking about somebody who's played with Tua, which is the excitement that people have for Chase playing with Burrow and the excitement that people have for Devontae Smith playing with Jalen Hurts. So you have the rapport of the quarterback and you have somebody, I mentioned this to you on the other show, I hate comps when you're talking about top five players in the NFL because then everybody's like, oh, okay, they're the greatest ever. But if you want a pure who the receiver is like, if he ever reaches this peak, it would be a beyond a success because Tyreek Hill is one of the best in the game. But that's the skill set Waddle has. That's what Tua was severely lacking last year is that slot dynamic can do big plays, can do short plays, can do stuff after the catch. And if you're talking about somebody that breaks out with Tua into his breakout season, why not the guy he knows? Why not the guy who has the skill set that arguably of Will Fuller, Devontae Parker and Waddle, if all three reach their peak performance, Waddle would be the best of the three. And he comes in as the biggest unknown here. We kind of know how Parker slots into this offense. At least we think we do. We have a good gauge of it. And we think we know a bit how Fuller slots into this offense. We don't really know how they're going to use Waddle or what his role is going to be here. And I think instead of using the Tyreek Hill, I'm with you. I think comparing guys to top five players, it's it's nice to do. It gives people a decent pitcher, but you set their expectations too high. How about we just say Santana Moss? Good Santana Moss. (laughs) Because I think he's better than Santana, but yeah. But, yeah, but, but when Santana certainly... Moss was good, he was a really good receiver. And that's, I was going to say, that's certainly fair. And, you know, to go back to the Parker thing too, is this offense and what Parker is now and what we saw last year, he kind of got turned into uh, almost, not quite, but almost like a possession type wide receiver. Like, let me pull, pull him up real quick. I feel like his yards per reception were like 10 or 11 because okay. he kind of turned into that guy, chain mover kind of guy. Uh, you can say yes or no to these guys because I don't think we need to spend much time on them. Preston Williams this year, yes or no? No, might not even be on the team. Lynn Bowden Jr. Don't care. Jakeem Grant. Same, don't care. Alan Hearns returning from taking the year off. Super don't care. Okay. Uh, Albert Wilson. Don't care. Uh, Robert Foster, Australian for sex. Shout out, Levy. <laughs> don't care. All right, so none of those guys. I don't care to... about anybody except for the top three wide receivers. That's okay, it. If Inkiseki, there, if there was it. an injury to one of those three, and maybe it's dependent on who the injury goes to, like one of these guys, oh, it turns out that um, Devontae Parker's foot is made of glass because it is. Uh, who steps into his role and would they have value? I don't think anybody would. St- so, well, somebody would step into his role. Um, Jakeem Grant doesn't really fit the Devontae Parker role, but no, neither does he's Bowden. The next, no, he's the next talent. Uh, Preston Williams might, if Preston Williams kind of gets out of what he got lost in last year and he's healthy. But I, I, what I'm getting at here is that I kind of don't care because what your argument about being the concern for this team is I think you get funneled down to two wide receivers and Gesicki, where the third person becomes, instead of being a 13, 15, 16 market share guy, he's seven. And it's the two. It's Will, in your scenario, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. Gesicki is now being drafted as number 16 at tight end overall. That seems like a really fair spot for him. Does he have the ability to have a great season or is he just going to be a player who has four great games every year? <laughs> I think he's got more to him. Okay. The, the excitement for Gesicki last year shouldn't be lost. Uh, part of the reason he was lost in last year of where did Gesicki finish anywhere last year? Top seven. He was fifth last year. The numbers weren't great, but that's all it takes at tight end. 53 receptions, 703 and six. 
he could easily repeat that. And that's with adding Jalen Waddle because, you know, again, I'm going to go back to that offense was just a mess a lot of the weeks. You know, if you watch all the Dolphins games, it was disjointed because of what I go back to when we started the Dolphins conversation. They straddled the fence and it kind of it made it very inconsistent of an offense in and of itself. All right. I, I don't have a ton of interest in Gesicki. If he was going in the last round, I would probably take him as my tight end. And yeah, he kind of is. Well, going. isn't tight end 16 the last round? Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically undrafted, but it seems like people do like Gesicki. Yeah. Like he'll weirdly go in like the 10th round in some drafts. Cause people like Mike Gesicki. I, I was going to say, what's his max and min? I feel like it's going to be like 70 spots apart. I, I didn't even look at what that was. Let's see. I, I don't have uh, I don't have that, uh, that information open <laughs> in front of me right now. But, like, he's going behind. Like, would you rather have Gesicki or the New England tight ends? Because I, th- I still think I'd rather have the New England tight ends. The upside Gisicki. is just so much higher. Really? Yeah. I'd, I'd still take Gesicki. I, I, I just think feel like it, they're going to vulture each other. To go back to what you said before, I, I don't think you're going to be able to figure out who it is week to week. And in that case, you have to sit on one, and you're going to get seven good games. Well, the way that I would think about it is that, at best, on the Dolphins, Gesicki is the number three passing option. There is a realistic scenario that on the Patriots, that the tight ends are receiving options one and two. And then one of them gets hurt. No, even if one of them doesn't get hurt, like Henry could be their leading receiver. John who could be second. All right. Mm. That, that, that's why I'm I would gamble on John. one. Of I, the... I like John more than Henry, by the way. The, All right, the, 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 the John who's their leading receiver. Henry is second, but I, at least in my mind, that's their path. That is their upside on that team. Like, I really do think that like the projection that I have on Gesicki isn't great right now. It's like 50 catches, 600 yards and four touchdowns. You make that 60 catches, 700 yards and five touchdowns and he just did what he did last year which is tight end number five when you look at total fantasy points but that's not really moving the needle between tight end five and tight end 15 sure okay yeah i think all in that range i'm usually out at tight end in that group i've already kind of made my flyer pick or I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting for somebody that... When are we doing? The, are we doing NFC South? Hint, hint, who my guy is. <laughs> I mean, may, maybe I'll have you back for that show. I'll, see, I'll read the comments and see what people say about Jake's here. <laughs> oh, if you're, if you're going to read the comments, I'm never coming back. Yeah, it's ever. true. Yeah, you're never right about anything. <laughs> uh, New York Jets. Jumbo Jets. They drafted a guy who's scared to drive in New York traffic. So that's always off to a good start. <laughs> Don't and, worry. His mom's going to be driving, and they're doing the Partridge family in the bus. <laughs> they're fine. I mean, it is. I mean, his mega mom. That's going to be great news. Being in New York, they're going to love that. Uh, but <laughs> did, Zach, did you not see the video of them on the way to the draft? All of them in the in the car together. I, I it was like o- a van. I have only seen one social media interaction from Zach Wilson's mom. That was enough for me. Oh no, this is this. They're all, actually, I think the dad was driving, and she's in the passenger, seat, you know, the front seat, and she says something about like, "Are we going to sing or something?" I was just, or why she was asking why he was nervous, and like the oh, the whole family's in the van. It's just. Man, it's just so. This is—he's got to be the youngest face we've ever seen in football. Yeah, for for all my golf heads out there, he's like the Cam Smith of the NFL. Cam Smith is perpetually thirteen years old. Actually, know that reference. He—he had to grow like terrible facial hair and grow his hair into a mullet just to look older. And the guy's like twenty-six. Like, he's looked like he's thirteen for the past five years. Why do Why do you think I grew facial hair? (laughs) I'm not trying to look older. I'm trying to look younger. That's why I never have the facial hair. 
Oh God, you would you would have no idea. People, only very few people know what I look like with no facial hair. I will de-age myself by about eight years if I did that. Yeah, you should go for it. I mean, I need to figure out ways to de-age myself. Now that I have two kids, I got gray hair. That's not good news. I have to wear this color shirt to Botox dis- to distract. No, Botox doesn't do that. I need like the the, the just for men. That's a move. The Botox needs to get rid of that. You know, straighten me out. And I'll be like. <laughs> That I'll get a nice facelift. I'll always look so. <laughs> You're every, gonna look like Rob Lowe. Everything that you, Rob. Listen, if I would take all the Botox in the world to look like Rob Lowe does currently, Rob Lowe's like 58 or something like that. He looks great. Is he really? Yeah, he's an old man. He was starring in the movies in the mid 80s. Maybe he's not that old, but <laughs> Rob Lowe. Right Rob now. Lowe is 57 years old. 57. He looks Holy great. <laughs> Somebody told me one time I look like Rob Lowe, and I was like, I don't know what you've been watching. No. Sexy Jake. You're sexy Jake Seeley. Rob Lowe looking. Rob Lowe. Uh, Who are we talking about? Rob Lowe. No, we're talking about (laughs) Rob Lowe. Zach Wilson. Actually, uh, New York Jets wins over under for the season. Uh, What do you think it is? Uh, I'll take an even number this time. Five. It's six and a half. What what do you think that Cust, we went through the schedule with Cust, what do you think that he has the record at? Oh, Cust, he has them going 11 and 6. He does have them going at 11 and 6. And yes. He, and, and he had to give them two losses at the end after I told him he had already given them 11 wins. He's like, oh, they'll just lose their last two games. <laughs> he felt like he was getting ahead of himself a little bit. Oh, that's too good. That's awesome. Uh, Zach Wilson is being drafted the last of all of the rookie quarterbacks. That's even okay. versus some guys. Whoa, even after Trey Lance? Yeah. Okay. Just no one wants a piece of Zach Wilson. No one wants a piece of this offense. I don't really know what to make of Zach Wilson and what he does. Is he fantasy viable this year? Because I would say no. In a redraft. Fantasy viable. I would say most years, no. Because his fantasy ceiling is similar to the conversation I had before about Mac Jones. Uh, A little bit more upside. Definitely a little bit more upside than Mac Jones. But same as in... He's going to probably end up, if everything breaks right for him, and he is who we saw in college at times, there's definitely some games that you watch and you're like, oh, maybe this is going to be the struggles in the NFL. Um, also, I don't know how you don't beat teams that he lost to. But anyway, uh, the fact is, is like probably QB 15-ish range with maybe, like I said, two or three years of sprinkling into he finished as QB 10. Like, Phillip Rivers. Like, the Phillip Rivers of the world were like, oh, he's kind of always that fringy QB 1, and he kind of did it, you know, a, a couple times. I feel like that's Zach Wilson. So as a rookie, if he finished QB 16, 17, wouldn't it be the biggest shock in the world? But for fantasy relevance, that's where I say no, because I feel like his range is more in, like, a QB 20. Um Mostly because of like some of it is the team too. You know, we can and we'll go down the list. And we can talk about his weapons, but it's not the best scenario. It's better than what it has been. And the biggest scenario, the biggest situation here is no Adam Gase. I mean, that alone might turn this into a ten-win team. Will he run sneakily more than we think, a la Josh Allen? Not to Josh Allen's level, but like year one with Josh Allen, no one was like, you know what, this is a guy is going to average nine rushing touchdowns a year. Oh, that's the end of your statement? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think that Zach Wilson's going to average nine rushing touchdowns a year, but, like, no one really saw the Josh Allen running coming, coming into the league. Like, that was not something that no, because... they thought that he was going to do. Zach Wilson can run a little bit, but is that going to be a part of this offense, do you think? I think it could be the part of the offense. I was going back to see how many yards. Josh Allen ran for 600 as a rookie. So, I, Zach Wilson's never getting to that. 
I think Zach Wilson kind of goes back to Tua uh, in that, you know, that 300, but maybe he runs for five or six touchdowns. I can see him calling his number, his own number, a, a couple times near the goal line, and maybe that gets him to five or six touchdowns. But he feels like a quarterback. And again, you know, we're talking about BYU and some of the competition he was facing. And also remember the 200, 300 yards that he ran for in college. You have to remember that that's offset the college stats that you see actually with sacks. you lose rushing yards when you get sacked unlike the nfl so you know maybe he I, I say your question it's not inconceivable that he runs for 500 yards but i just don't feel like that's who zach wilson is and who the jets probably want him to be and if you look at the weapons with bringing in Corey davis and the drafting of elijah moore i don't think they're like going to turn to him and say hey yeah go ahead and call your own number as much as you want I think that there is value to be mined from the Jets running back situation. I have no idea where to go. If I had to pick, I'd take my guy, Michael Hurricane Carter. Yes. And just be on my way. So I had Michael Carter in my tier two running backs with Javante Williams. And one of the things I said is people don't realize how good Michael Carter is because of Javante Williams. And he kind of got overlooked by Javante Williams being a beast. Michael Carter is not Javante Williams. Michael Carter is a completely different running back. And that's why they're such a good compliment to each other. And Michael Carter is not going to be a running back in the NFL that touches the ball 20 times a game because he, again, he's not Williams. But you know who Michael Carter can be? He can be the Jets version of Austin Eckler. And yes, this is kind of similar going back to the Tyreek Hill thing. But uh, what you said as my follow-up to it is it's easier for people to kind of, all right, what does that mean? What does the peak mean? Like, give me a comparison. And that's why we do player comps. He could be Austin Eckler. Do I think he's going to be Austin Eckler as a rookie? Absolutely not. But can he be their best option? Because right now, that backfield, right now, he is the best talent with the most upside in that backfield, everybody included. I mean, we're talking about Ty Johnson and getting excited about it. he's putting on muscle. Well, Michael P. Ryan has like just been left out of the conversation all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, I think it's Michael Carter, but Michael Carter's an RB2, even at his peak. Michael Carter is being drafted as the 54th running back off the board right now. And that's why I have Michael Carter about 100% roster ship right now. <laughs> It just seems to be a perfect scenario for him where, you know, are we sweating Tevin Coleman? Nah, not so much. Are we sweating Josh Adams, Ty Johnson, Pete Guerrero, Eddie's brother, Eddie's son at this point, probably, <laughs> LaMichael Pirine? Like, at least go give your draft pick a chance to be the featured back. That doesn't mean 85% snap share, but if that means 55% snap share, he's going to have a good year. A hundred percent. And Alex, I see a realistic outcome of him finishing and being an RB2 as a rookie. He's that good. I'm just going to keep going back to that. Is Michael Carter is a very elusive running back. He can do work in the passing game. That's where he did some of his work complimenting Williams. And he's a good, better runner than people realize. Austin Eckler, better runner than you realize. You know what? If you told me, let's cut, you brought the Santana Moss. I'll give you a, a lesser version with a realistic expectation of somebody who's better between the tackles than people realized because they assume size and stuff like that. Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay was an RB2, low end RB2, but I think you said Philip Lindsay as a realistic outcome from Michael Carter, 100%. I have Michael Carter projected for 152 fantasy points this year. That would give him, and this is a, I set him to a like under the median projection. So like a very conservative estimate for him that would give him 37 catches, 300 yards and a touchdown and a half in terms of projections. I could see him exceeding that in the receiving game. If this offense 
developed and runs a certain way. And you said 152 fantasy points? Yep. Is that full or half point PPR? That is um, full point PPR. Full point PPR? Because I was just kind of curious where that would that would put him at RB31 last year, right behind Giovanni Bernard. And that and so, that and I do think that that the reason that I took the conservative estimate for him, because it might take him a few weeks to get going, I do think that eventually at some point this season he is going to be quote unquote the guy in this backfield, at least the highest usage running back. It's the goal line work that kind of worries me whether or not he's going to get that right. or not. But between the twenties, I think he's going to be on the field a ton. So I think that 37 reception mark is probably pretty low. Like he could be able to crack 50. So would you say, let's say 530 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 54 receptions, 403 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns so he only scores three times you think that's a reasonable expectation for michael carter's rookie season yes that was austin eckler in 10 games finishing his rb26 yeah i i think that's and i think that if he does like play from week one and he has that role i think that's a really low outcome for him yeah 100 michael carter go draft michael carter like this is this is the argument for drafting early go draft people like michael carter and laugh yourself to the bank Wide receivers on this team. You've been teasing like the Corey Davis hate for like an hour now. So let's have it. Hate. <laughs> Here's the thing about Corey Davis. So uh, this is another one. I want to give you the background information. I was higher on Corey Davis than I should have been coming out of college. And I say this should have been because he hasn't had success for the first part of his career until last year. Jake, all, Jake, last all, year all you need to say is that when we did the who's your last round pick show last year, your last answer year? was Corey Davis. So congr- <laughs> it was a really good call. I didn't listen to you for a second. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He's an idiot. Turned out <laughs> because, you right. because I was a Corey Davis fan. But here's what I'll say is, again, I was too high on Corey Davis, even with that call from last year, and because he turned into our last round pick, because that's what Corey Davis had become at that point. The reason Corey Davis had that value last year is I think it's clear at this point of Corey Davis's career that he is not equipped to be an NFL number one wide receiver. He's not equipped to be the guy who gets number one corner treatment, who gets bracketed, double coverage, whatever it might be. He's not the one that needs to be drawing all the attention. He needs somebody alongside of him, at least on his level and preferably above his level like A.J. Brown. He's now with the Jets, and he is the guy. Uh, Elijah Moore could replace Jamison Crowder. You said that jokingly, like that that might not even happen because it's the Jets, so let's say Jamison Crowder is still there, whatever it might be. That role is going to be the same, whether it's Crowder or Elijah Moore. One of those two guys is filling that slot role. And Denzel Mims, I actually think he can break out in his second season, but he's not going to be better than Corey Davis. And that's where my concern comes in is it comes in the fact that Corey Davis is going to be the number one guy for the jets. He's going to be playing for the jets instead of Tennessee with a rookie quarterback, instead of Ryan Tannehill with a backfield who doesn't command the presence that Derek Henry commands from defenses every single week. And that's where it comes down to. I think Corey Davis could have the same numbers of last year, but he needs 20 more targets to get it. And if he doesn't get those targets, then he's going to take a step back. So that's my, it's not the hate of Corey Davis. I just, I would have preferred him back in Tennessee. The way that they're being drafted right now, Crowder is going first amongst those receivers at wide receiver 44. Still? Still. Wide, uh, and Corey, well, he's still on the team. As, as we speak right now, he's still on the team. He's still their starting slot receiver. And he's sure. 
probably their best receiver when it comes to like skill. Uh, if the guy could stay on the field, yes. I actually think Jamison Crowder is quite good. He'll be an asset for someone. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing too. Like you can draft Jamison Crowder right now, and if he does get cut by the Jets, that might actually be a good thing. <laughs> it could be depending on where he lands, for sure. Yeah, like imagine the, the best thing. The best thing for Crowder is just stay healthy. Sure, but imagine he gets cut by the Jets. <laughs> And the Bills are like, okay, Cole Beasley, you're done. We have Jamison Crowder now. Like, that's such an upgrade, and I like Cole Beasley. I was going to say throw him in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean, That would, would kill St. Brown, but. I mean, he would have like 2,000 yards on the Lions because they would pass for 2,200 yards for the season. Jamison Crowder would have 2,000 of them. That's what you give him is that's Jared Goff's new Cooper Cup with, Jer- with Jamison Crowder there? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but they let's see. So forty four at receiver. I'm trying to think where else we could throw him for for Jamison Crowder, Corey Davis forty eight, Elijah Moore number sixty four, Denzel Mims at seventy nine, Keelan Cole's on this team, Ooh. which I totally forgot about one fourteen. That Mims number seems super low though seventy nine. Uh, I had a scout <laughs> tell me that Denzel Mims is essentially Michael Thomas two point Wasn't a scout. It was, it was Tim. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, you might not want to talk to that guy anymore, <laughs> uh, which makes sense now. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to give them all away. My top 10, as of doing this recording, because we're doing it when we're doing it, but my top 10 breakout wide receivers will have been released by the time you're watching this video. Uh, Denzel Mins is number eight for the breakout wide receivers this year. Uh, so here's, is, I'll, I'll kind of give you the quick summary of what I said in there is what do we know about him? Amazing deep threat. Uh, he runs into coverage, unfortunately. Like we're talking about, so for people out there, like stacking corners, when you hear that term, is that you're pushing the corner upfield. You're stacking, you're putting them on top of each other, basically putting him on top of yourself, your wide receiver, but you're pushing him upfield to get that separation. So if you stop, you're out and come back, he's on his heels and backing up, and you have all the separation, or if you cut in or whatever, that type of stuff. So it's that positioning. The problem with Mims is you go back and watch a lot of his college film is the corner will already be five yards off of him and he'll just keep running and then run right into the corner. Like, so it's, it's positioning, which is baffling at times. And I bring it up to say, that's the problem with Mims is Mims has a lot of big playability has a lot of speed. He's a big body for how fast he is, can do a lot, but he also makes some dumb decisions at times with routes. The upside here is that I drew a comparison to Torrey Smith and Mike Wallace, nine route, mainly only guys. That's not terrible, but that's somebody you want as your like wide receiver three if you went right running back heavy or preferably as your wide receiver four, understanding that you're probably going to get seven or eight really good games and you're going to get a lot of frustration. But well, I think that's well, I mean, that the good, the good news is you can draft him as wide receiver seven on your team if you want to, which is just crazy. I <laughs> like that that number is going to go up. I'm not the biggest Denzel Mims fan. I was actually lower than most people coming out of college on Denzel Mims. And I will draft Denzel Mims as my wide receiver six a thousand times out of a thousand. Tight end. Everyone's favorite player in the league. He's oh my the, God. Can the, we stop? He is, the 30, stop? he is the 31st tight end coming off the board. Is this the year to unleash Chris, Chris Herndon the fourth? <laughs> uh Ian Harditz from PFF tweeted about him and I all my did was I tweeted back the gif is just just stop like we've how many years in a row have we done Chris Herndon myself included two two years ago can, can we just stop with Chris Herndon sure at what at tight end 30 whatever at tight end 25 why not but who's drafting a second tight end anyway 
Uh, Jake, this is a premium tight end. You have to start three of them only show. So <laughs> three of them point and a half per reception. Yeah. God, pre- don't don't get me started on premium tight ends. All right. I won't. I hate it. I hate because it. Well, no. Real quick, all it does is boost the elite level. That's all it does. Go read my article on it. All it does is make Travis Kelsey even that much better. You can dra- to your point about you loving Travis Kelsey. Draft Travis Kelsey with the fourth pick if you're getting point and a half per reception for tight ends. Just go ahead and do it. Um, Nando signed but, up you know, on an article where you wrote about that. Was it like a real? It was, was it like what? a real slow week? No, it was the off season. Off season articles. It actually did pretty well. Is a lot of you know. Hey, I I, I bring in the viewers, man. Come on. Um, Why do you think you're on this show, Jake? Is it because we're friends? No, because you bring the ratings. Wow, I thought we were friends too. Oh, I'm sorry. We are <laughs> friends, Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I'm gonna pull up when I wrote it last year. I think was the title Pat, of the article Pat, is... was it. Pat and I are friends. <laughs> That's my new article next week. You just thank you for the idea. There you go. That's, that's I mean, exactly... they'll publish anything apparently. <laughs> hey, I published my serial rankings. Your, that your, was that was during your, your what rankings? Cereal. Uh, that's a better like article than, uh, than premium tight end scoring. Is to, who the fuck no, no, even no. plays premium tight end? That that has to be like point zero zero one percent. No, so football. 40, 47 comments. By the way, for you not wanting to do comments, this was July fourteenth of two thousand twenty, off season of last year. The title of the article: "I'm sick of tight end premium scoring, and here's why." There you go. And were people like, we're with you, Jake, or were people like, I love tight end premium. It is the greatest ever. People who do not play tight end premium don't even play real <laughs> football. I, I had a handful of those. I had a handful of like, I still like it. I don't see your point. I was like, all right, whatever. They even did a too long, didn't read version at the very end. It's just two paragraphs if you don't want to read the entire article. I like that. More articles should do that. Here's the gist. That's I I've been doing that for I would say the past two or three years I've been doing a TL semicolon DR too long didn't read just sum it up for me I I just I've just always had the idea that any article that I write also comes out in audio form that you can just click on the audio and it'll be read to you (laughs) as someone who can't read that really works for me that's we we did that for our draft kit I think two years ago it's smart I, I think it's a really um, genius idea I always pitch everyone on doing it for their draft kits and we're like oh take too much time I was like just pay Pat Mayo I don't know 500k and I'll do it for you <laughs> 500k I'll read whatever the hell you want me to read okay well, let's make that I'm gonna I'm gonna win the millionaire maker on DraftKings and I'm gonna do that I'm gonna pay you 500k I, I, I'm gonna write you a script and you have to read it. I will 100% read whatever it is, even if it's just fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. I will read it. Oh, Jake, it's going to be so much worse than that. (laughs) I'm doing this for free, and I did that for you. There we go. See, what do you think? If I'm going to pay the 500K, I'm not getting the free stuff. I'm getting the the real good (laughs) stuff here. You'll be, remember when soundboards were a thing? Like in 2003, you go to like the Schwarzenegger soundboard and it's all his old clips. They will have Jake, they will bring back soundboards just for Jake Seeley after you read what I make, after you read what I write for you. How about that? You don't even need the will to win the millionaire. Can we crowdsource 500,000 to have this happen for me? (laughs) I don't think that. I think people are as interested in that as they are in tight end premium scoring. Fair fair enough. (laughs) That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. So you have your 10 breakout undervalued, 10 breakout candidates for 2021? 10 10 breakout wide receivers. It's my breakout piece that I've been doing. Breakout. 
award nominated not one award nominated i'm not like you i just keep getting nominated every year i'm susan lucci i don't get to win like you do um but yes breakout top five breakout quarterbacks is out top five breakout running backs is out this is top 10 wide receivers because i had to go deeper and then woohoo finish it off with top five to break out tight ends next week and then you'll write an article about how four quarterback start leagues are not all that good <laughs> yes you can follow me at the PME on Twitter. If you missed the NFC East with Jake and I, you can find that in the description of this video and podcast. I'm going to have a ton of content coming out. I have a brand new site coming out as well for anyone who enjoys projections and customizable projections and tools to help make yourself better. That's on the horizon very, very soon, quicker than you may think. So stay tuned for that and get excited about it to steal a line from Nando. Get excited! I can't really do the Nando voice all that well. Either way, follow Nando on Twitter, too. He's our guy. Uh, at TheAthletic.com. Subscribe to all Jake stuff at All in Kid. And uh, you know, smash the like, whatever the fuck I said at the beginning of the show. Do that in the comment section. Uh, and uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.